Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. They tried it. They didn't like it. They went back. They changed. They went back to doing the very same things they'd always been doing. Now, what this really means is this. When you and I look at what this verse means, it says that the word is to dwell in us. It's not something, we, we don't become Christians and just put something on. When we walk out the door, we take that off and go back to our normal lifestyle. It's just part of us. It's a change in our life. And these people, when they came to the, our churches, they didn't get it. Without God's word, there is no plumb line in your life. The alternatives to a life lived according to his ways all lead a person to destruction, following your own desires, following others, following false gods. They all lead a person away from truth. If you don't understand how God created you and what sin can do, you won't know how to defeat it. In today's message, King Josiah will discover the laws of the Lord. He'll hold up God's standards to the ways the people have been living and see that a change needs to be made. Humility and willingness to follow God's word will lead to a life of balance and blessing. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3, with our continuing study entitled, The Word is Alive. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Well, how, how can I have peace? This is how you get rid of depression. You keep your mind stayed on God. He's the Prince of Peace. It's all going to turn out all right. Isn't it? Isn't it? Well, sure. Some of you are going, yeah, yeah, sure. It's going to turn out all right. Sure it is. And we're on the winning side. It's going to turn out all right. It's important that we understand that. Now, as you think about this, I was listening to Louis Palau. Listen, I had the opportunity to meet with a dozen ministers near a city where I was involved in a crusade. To say I was shocked by our discussion may be a bit too strong, but I was certainly surprised by the serious differences of opinion we had on some basic questions. At least half of the ministers involved in my crusade, did not accept the Bible as the authoritative word of God. One half. And they're out with a revival. One half. Several said they believed some scripture passages were erroneous. Even more astonishing was their admission that they were uncomfortable with portions of the Bible, so they simply rationalized away those portions as they have determined are unscientific. Is it any wonder that in certain parts of the world the Christian church staggers? Who wants to listen to ministers who don't believe the Bible is the word of God? Where is their authority? Where do you draw the line between what passages of the Bible are inspired by God and which are not because they seem to be too unscientific? That's where we live today. That's the society that we're in. When they come to something that doesn't seem right, can't be right, couldn't be correct in God's word. We just scratched that part off. Now, turn with me to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. 
when they found this word of God, you're going to see in a moment, it changes their lives. It brings them back to this plumb line you're going to hear me talk about in a moment. It, it just brings them back to a place, a standard in their life. You know these verses, but I think it's important for us in this day and age, where we're at, to understand why we just go through the Word of God, why it is applicable, why we can have fun doing it, why, why we can be challenged doing it. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is what breathed? That is a profound statement. It's not the Word of man. It's not man's ideas. It's the Word of God. God breathed it out. Now, how much did he breathe out? What does all mean? When you were a little kid, your mother put peas on your plate. And she said, before you can have dessert, you have to eat them all. How many was all? Now, you want to leave three or four. What mom say? That isn't all. You either eat them all or you don't get the dessert. Well, we ate them all. Mashy peas and all, just to get the dessert. Well, how much is all? Now, if you're going to say it isn't all, very interesting question. Again, this isn't a big, deep discussion tonight, but just think about it. If it isn't all true, where do you start and stop? What are your criteria? And who are you to decide the criteria? See, this is the problem. Now, it's useful for teaching Rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what we're doing here. We're being equipped. Remember, it's profitable. Teaching what is right. Teaching our foundational beliefs about God and man and sin and salvation and heaven and health and family and life and death. That's what it's about. People want to know those things. They want to know about life. They want to know about death. People really want to know about the future. But they don't know that this tells us everything we need to know about the future. Also, rebuking what is not right. Stop doing it. Rebuking in order to convict people. The Bible does that. Correcting how to get right. Just doesn't go, shame on you, it's wrong. No, that's wrong, but here's how to do it right. That's what the Bible does. Again, that's where the grace has to come in as we teach. And lastly, training, instruction. In other words, how to stay right. How to encourage one another. How to build one another up. And that's the good thing that you're doing. And, and I want to compliment you again as, as we come to church, as, as we get into small groups. The purpose for all of that is to keep us being encouraged. Perseverance. We all get down from time to time. We go through tough things in our lives. Difficult things. God will put us in the place where we can encourage people. One of the things that we forget to remember is this. In this room tonight, just this room, plus over in the chapel, none of us here really know what's going on in the person next to you or behind you. Your own family probably, but behind you, across the room, we have no idea the things that are going on in people's minds and lives, the devastating things that they're faced with. But God knows them all. And see, as you get into a small group, as you get yourself plugged in, don't just sit on the sidelines. If you're new, that's fine. Just check us out for a while, but then find a small group. Keep coming. Open yourself up. Talk to us. Sit out there in the, in the comments. That's why we built the comments, and it's working. 
People are talking. Come during the day. Have a sandwich. Bring somebody, whatever. Go to the books. Talk with people. And in that, we encourage people. We build one another up. This is what this last part means here. Notice, training or instruction in righteousness. It's how to stay right. I need that. Sometimes I just need to be tweaked a little bit because I'm kind of maybe headed off to the left or the right. You know what I mean? We just... Mm, it's it's easy to get over there and somebody can just tweak us back on. Of course, certainly the Word of God does that, but we encourage with the Word of God. Now, back to Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 16. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have put out the money that was in the temple of the Lord. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and entrusted it to the supervisors in the work. And then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. This is a great time for you and I to be reminded again of journaling. I like to do that often because it'll change your life. So this is just a regular time. Notice they read from it. It's good just to read from your Bible. It's good to read it out loud from time to time because it's another way that it actually comes into your mind. Just don't do it quietly, but sometimes just read your devotions out loud. It helps to reabsorb all of that, to meditate it, study it individually and corporately. Remember, that's God's way of maturing us. It happens. The Bible is God's mind to us. It's alive. Remember this old saying, Sin will keep you from this book, and reading this book will keep you from sin. That's what it's all about. Verse 19. Now when the king heard the words of the law, this is not a good thing. He tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, Ikam, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of whatever, all the way through those guys. Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the remnant in Israel and Judah, about what is written in the book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in the book. So that's where most people believe that it possibly was the book of Deuteronomy. Remember in Deuteronomy we had the, we had these places where it gave us the, the blessings if you do this and then the cursings if you do this. Well, <laughs> they read the cursing part and he's going, man, no wonder where we're at. God's word is true. We're not blessed. We got to get off of this and get back to the blessing part. And notice where it started. Because our fathers, it was a generation behind. So see, we have that chance. We have that opportunity tonight to change a generation and to do it right. That's what's going to happen there. He tears his robes and he sees God's word gives us this plumb line. Those of you that are contractors or whatever and builders, you know, this plumb line just gives you that center line. Now, without God's word, we don't know how to direct ourselves. And all these years, Josiah says, man, we didn't have a plumb line. We, we didn't have a way to judge what we were doing. Now they do. And he's using this and he goes, well, if that's the plumb line, man, we've been way off from what God wants. Remember, God's word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. So without God's word, the person in our neighborhood that doesn't know God, and there's, there are many in all of our neighborhoods, I've said it very simply in the book of Proverbs, but let me just remind you, without God's word, there is no plumb line in their life. And they really, in a bottom line, have no clue how to live right. 
They don't understand how God's designed them. They don't understand that God loves them. They don't understand sin. They, they just don't get it. And of course, then they pass that confusion on to their children. And that's what's wrong with our society tonight. So what a great privilege for us to, to invite people to our services, to a small group, to come and have a cup of coffee, whatever. Get them thinking about the things of God. A plumb line. Now, what has happened since September 11th? Let me read some things for you tonight. Listen. Social analysts point out that people turn to religion in times of crisis and instability. The terrorist attacks on September 11th certainly shattered the stability and comfort of American lives, leading to a surge in church attendance and Bible sales, like I've already mentioned, immediately after the attacks. But what is the lingering effect of the attack and the continued tension on people's religious beliefs and practices? So Barna, who does a lot of surveys, went out. Here's his results. Many Americans who crowded pews and bought new Bibles in the aftermath of September 11th have settled back to their routine religious beliefs and practices with one significant shift. Now, what were those routine practices? Well, basically, a couple times a year, they would go to church. So they got all excited. The churches were just jammed. Doesn't matter what kind of church it was. It was jammed. But when the initial shock, a couple weeks is over, since there's no stability, since there's no teaching of the word, since there's no plumb line in many, many, many churches, they just went back to the others. And I'll have some more to say about that in a moment. But one thing did change in Barna's survey. I don't understand this. This is shocking to me, but here's what's changed. Americans now are less likely to believe in absolute good and evil. Given the nature of the terrorist attack, one might have expected Americans to become more convinced of the presence of good and evil and that there are absolute moral principles that exist regardless of cultural realities and personal preferences. However, Barna's research showed exactly the opposite outcome. In other words... You can't trust this. You can't trust the Quran. You can't trust anything. Well, where does that leave us with no absolutes? It leaves us exactly where Satan wants us, floundering, not believing there's truth. Interestingly, when people were further queried as to the source of the principles, get this. So they asked these people, well, what are the source of your principles, your moral and ethical decisions on in life? If you have some, what are the standards anyway that you have? Even though they may not be absolute, what do you use as a standard to base your life on? The post-attack survey discovered one of eight adults, 13% cited the Bible. So those people that said, yeah, there are some things standard, we do believe in it, 13% use the Bible. Notice what the common source of principles and standards was. I just go by what I feel. Whatever I feel is fine. Is that an amazing deception by Satan? You can't go by our feelings. One day we're here, one day we're here. So it's amazing to me. And then 14% said, I go by the lessons my parents taught me. Well, if the parents aren't teaching the Word of God, we have absolutely no standard for the majority of the people. Listen, that are our wonderful friends that work next to us, that are students in class and that live next door to us. They have no plumb line in their life.
Now, why have people returned to their old spiritual dead routine? In other words, when people were shaken, they all poured in our churches. Why did they return back to twice a year, once to Christmas Eve, whatever, I'll see you next Easter. Why did they do it? Turn to Colossians 3.16. Because people do not understand what you're going to see here in this verse. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish and honor with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with gratitude in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell. Dwell. Be alive. See, once you become a Christian, it's just the beginning. Many of these people that came to church, they came to church, they put on this cloak, this coat of religion. They tried it. They didn't like it. They went back, they changed, they went back to doing the very same things they'd always been doing. Now, what this really means is this. When you and I look at what this verse means, it says that the word is to dwell in this. It's not something, we, we don't become Christians and just put something on. When we walk out the door, we take that off and go back to our normal lifestyle. It's just part of us. It's a change in our life. And these people, when they came to our churches, they didn't get it. Listen to this statement. Understand this. Here's a pastor who says, why did the people who came in Mass leave in Mass? Why didn't they stick? Here's what he says. It proved the old saying. People came back to church and rediscovered why they didn't come in the first place. <laughs> and why didn't they come in the first place? Because this is not being taught. With excitement, with joy, and with application. I can't tell you how many people write me and say, I never understood that it could tell me how to live until I came to this church. Application. That's why he wrote it. It's not something we go, hey, I put it on, put my religious coat on, did my Wednesday thing, take it off, go home. No, the, the word of God is to what? Dwell richly in me. It's applying. So he goes on and he says this, People came back to the church and rediscovered why they didn't come in the first place. People like to acknowledge the existence of God, someone or something in control at Easter and Christmas or in a crisis. But to keep coming, they have to be convinced that the church is relevant to their everyday lives. That's where the absolute matters. So most of the people who went to the churches left because the reason they left initially was nothing applied doesn't have any effect in my life, can't tell me what to live, doesn't tell me how to be a better neighbor, a parent, a friend, work on my marriage, better boss, doesn't tell me how to worship God, doesn't tell me any of those things. So now I know why I left the church in the first place. Now will it be difficult to get them back? Man, who's going to change that? We are. When they see our lives change, when they see the joy of the Lord in our life. Not that we're weird, that we love God and His Word dwells richly in us. That's the key, guys. That's the key. As God dwells in our lives, then our lives are changed. So I, I spent a lot of time on that tonight for a reason. We need to understand the psyche of those we're trying to win. They don't get the church. And when you mention church to many, many people, they don't get it. Verse 22, 
And Hilkiah and those, of the, those the king had sent with him went to speak to the prophetess Hulda, who was the wife of all the rest of those. <laughs> she lived in Jerusalem in the second district. She said to them, this is what the Lord of God Israel says, tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people. All the curses written in the book, so again, that's why maybe we think Deuteronomy, that have been read in the presence of the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all that their hands have made, my anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. So this is again that that picture, and we'll see later as we go through the Bible how all this worked out. Look in verse 26. Tell the king of Judah, however, this is kind of a however statement, who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. This is to Josiah the king. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will, will gather you to your fathers, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place and on those who live here. So they took her answer back to the king. So remember, God loves humility. And when Josiah humbled himself and said, God, we are so far from this plumb line, he humbled himself. God says, well, the punishment's going to come, but because you have had a soft heart, because you've humbled yourself, you will not see this disaster. I'm going to bypass it until you leave. God, keep us humble. Let us have that spirit of realizing we're nothing without him. And thank God so much that we're in a fellowship where it doesn't matter who's in this pulpit, doesn't matter who's in our Sunday school class, doesn't matter who's in our, our youth or whatever. The word of God, the plumb line, is being taught in fullness and in the power of God. Verse 29, then the king called together the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And he went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people and the priests, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, and all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. Now, if that was the whole Pentateuch, <laughs> they were there for a while. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations and decrees, notice, with all his heart and with all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in the book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God. In other words, that was their, the covenant was renewed again, and the God of their fathers, Josiah, removed all the detestable idols from the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. What a great challenge for us in leadership. As we learn today from the example of the people in Israel and Judah, sin will keep people from the word and the word will keep people from sin. Josiah had a humble heart after hearing God's law and realizing how the people had not been acting according to it. 
Pastor Mark emphasized that true salvation is not turning to the church in times of stress, but a lifestyle. The Word is living and active in us. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira Camp on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll come to 2 Chronicles 35, where King Josiah reinstates the feasts of the Lord. For the first time in many years, Israel will celebrate the Passover feast. Everything will be done according to the commands given by God in order to honor Him in the way that He set forth. The celebration of the feasts will signify the great hope we all have in Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.